Welcome to Kings in the Fourth, a new sports podcast covering football, basketball, baseball, and any other major events in the world of sports. I'm your host, Patrick Gallagher. And I'm your co-host, Joey Yenatelli. In our inaugural episode, we recap the 2017 NFL season, surprises, disappointments, and our picks for the league's honors. Plus, we'll be going down the road to the Super Bowl and preview the matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Patriots. Without further ado, welcome to the first episode of Kings in the Fourth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our inaugural episode of Kings in the Fourth. I'm your host, Patrick Gallagher. And I'm Joey Anatelli. And today, we're going to take you back down the road of the playoffs, starting from wildcard weekend, heading all the way back up to the conference championship games. After we cover the title games, we're going to delve deep into Super Bowl coverage, previewing the big game, talking about how did these teams get here, what is the difference in the coaching, how do the quarterbacks compare, how do the rest of the uh, personnel uh, compare. And I think without further ado, we should get straight to the biggest choke job uh, of the postseason, which would be the... uh, Titans at the Chiefs. Titans at Chiefs. And and you really just have to look at how at the if you look at the first half the Chiefs just thoroughly dominated. You know Alex Smith was getting quick throws outside of the pocket. Um, he was able to get the ball into the hands of his playmakers um, uh, West and Hunt on the outside. He was also able to get the ball downfield to Tyree Kill. And and you really just have to look at what the Chiefs did on the defensive end in the first half because they thoroughly dominated Mariota, uh, making him look uncomfortable and forcing turnovers on their own side of the field and and putting the ball back in your hands of arguably the best game manager in football, Alex Smith. Right. Uh, And speaking of Alex Smith, we've got a lot to talk about at a later date about this trade, which really could shake up the NFL offseason and uh, really send some of these quarterbacks to a lot of different places. And, and um, yeah, more more on the quarterback offseason later. I think we're going to make an episode a little bit more down the line uh, covering that once the offseason gets close. But let's, let's get back to this game here. So the Chiefs are up 21-3 to at the half, and you really think that they have the game – um, in control. They're going to move on. They're going to be the ones going to Gillette next week. And then Marcus Mariota throws a touchdown pass to himself. And wow, first time this has ever happened in the history of the NFL, probably. you know, probably. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know for sure, but probably. And Very you- Chiefs that they lost this game because a quarterback threw a touchdown to himself. The Chiefs are inventing ways to lose in the playoffs. It, it, it's just another <laughs> early exit for for the Kansas City Chiefs, and and the reason why they lost this game is because the Titans' defense just seemingly came alive under in the second half right. under defensive coordinator Dick LeBeau. They were able to get pressure on Alex Smith. They made him look uncomfortable in the pocket. He looked like he was seeing ghosts. Um, they were able to contain uh, the running backs Weston Hill, and and their coverage just really just shut down the Titans, I mean, the Chiefs' wide receiving core. And also, you got to credit this win to Marcus Mariota because he looked like a completely different oh, quarterback yeah. in the second half. He was he was getting the ball out of the pocket. He was making big throws on third down. You know, he, on, he had so many third and long plays in this second half where he just 
got the first down no matter what, whether it was throwing the ball or getting it done with his legs. I mean, he just looked completely different. And, you know, it also helps when you have that battering ram, big Derrick Henry, in your offense as well. You know, he made them pay because they started to run more of a cover, uh, a zone coverage in the second half. In the first half, they were blitzing him. They were putting pressure on him, getting guys coming in from the outside, trapping him, QB spying him, taking his legs away and forcing him to make these these throws that a lot of times Marcus Mariota can't make. But in that second half, like they started to, to, to relax a little bit too much, and he made them pay for that. And and finally, what, what this game ultimately came down to is this fumble by Derrick Henry that ultimately got overturned, and right. it gives the Chiefs, it gives the Titans, excuse me, another chance to come back and win this thing. And game Mari- would be over right there. Mariota yeah. just makes the play. Yeah, he does. He makes the play on a throw to Eric Decker over the middle. And you really just need to credit this win to Mariota uh, and the Titans defense because Mariota in general, because he really led this team back, whether he did it with his legs or his arms or even throwing that crucial block at the end to get Derrick Henry that uh, first down to ice the game. And just... I'm really excited for Marcus Mariota, and I think next year is going to be the year where we see if he's for real or not. Yeah, I mean, look, you can't deny the fact that this guy, maybe he wasn't able to get it done the next week against New England, but nobody expects him to do that. The she, uh, the Titans are a 9-7 and football team. They're going through a coaching transition, and I think that we're going to see, hopefully, Mariota take that next step with a different coach and a different coordinator. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what he's able to accomplish there. Uh, and I also want to just, just before we move on, I want to give due credit to Derrick Henry, who had over, what, one over, over 150 yards rushing, one or two touchdowns. And he had that fumble, and you could see in his face, like, he's like, oh, shit. Like, I cost my team the game. Fuck. But he came back on the same drive with the help of Mariota's blocking and sealed the deal for them. So... He definitely was a clutch player, and you could see he played with a chip on his shoulder after that that fumble. All right. So we're going to move on to the yeah. other AFC wildcard game that weekend. And it, this one was a boring game. <laughs> yes, um, the Bills at the Jaguars. Now, now, the story going into the game was obviously the Bills got into this uh, got into the playoffs off that amazing Andy um, Andy Dalton throw to Tyler Boyd at the end of the game at the end of the game on week 17 sending the Bills into the playoffs yep. their playoff drought is over and you know you really thought oh and, and, and Bills and the Bills going into it you really thought okay maybe since you know they'll play hard they'll play hard because yeah. they haven't been here for a while and they just really didn't no. the defense played hard the defense you know it was it was a very defensive game going into the half it we was 3 that. to 3 yeah. um Jacksonville's defense was just getting pressure um the entire time uh the Bills defense was not letting was not giving um Leonard Fournette any room to run um and ultimately it came down to the third quarter where on that fourth and goal um yes. Blake Bortles was able to make the throw and it was a tight throw. That's right. Uh, to his tight end Koyak, uh, and that brings them up ten to three. And Buffalo takes the entire quarter, and or Buffalo takes the entire fourth quarter and just can't respond. You know, and it, ultimately it came down to that last drive where uh, Taylor gets knocked out of the game. Yeah, Peterman, rough game for him. Peterman comes in. <laughs> And uh, trying to etch his, trying to become a legend in uh, Buffalo Bills becomes just oof, 
face plants. One, one of three, um, 14 yards a pick. You know, he got them He got them to Jacksonville's side of the field, but, you know, he didn't do much more than that. It was uh, fourth and long, and, you know, he didn't even throw the ball over the first down line, and Jalen Ramsey just is able to get that play and get that interception and ultimately seals the game for Jacksonville and, you know, just starts this amazing postseason run for Jacksonville. I think we can all say that uh, if the opposing quarterback throws 87 yards and, and you lose, <laughs> and he, he also ran for more yards than he than than he threw. Yeah, and he was and he was asked about the game the game after that, and I think he was like, "Well, that's typically not what you want to happen have happen if you're a quarterback." And I would have to agree with you, Blake. That's not what you want to have yeah. happen as a quarterback. <laughs> I, I've been high on Ty, on Tyron Taylor, but. What a terrible performance. Not not a good game for him. You know, I mean, great just, defense, but just not a good Buffalo, uh, Buffalo just, you know, ultimately couldn't get the ball going. Anytime they had a big run, it was um, with LaShawn McCoy, it would be called back with a penalty. And they just didn't look ready for a playoff game. And with that in mind, let's move to the Falcons at the Rams. Um, what did you take away from the game for the Falcons at the Rams? Well, you know, it was a disappointing end to uh, L.A.'s season, especially because I think they lost to a team that they really could beat. Um, And, you know, I I, I think that the the Rams are going to find that playoff mojo. I think they're going to find it next year. And you can't really call this a, uh, a failure because they came so far, but at the same time, you know, going down and losing 26 to 13 at home and uh, to a team that really clearly has that, that, that Super Bowl hangover that we talked about and getting outgained pretty, uh, pretty dramatically. Well, um, and also they were, they were able to get pressure on Matt Ryan the entire game, and you really thought that would play out, but sometimes Matt Ryan was just able to... No. We saw flashes of of good of 2016 Matt Ryan whenever he could stay yes. in the pocket and take the big hit from Aaron Donald and deliver that ball to Muhammad Sanu or yes, Julio yes. Jones on those big third down plays. But, you know, I, I also look at that scoring play that Atlanta did where they kind of iced the game um, where, you know, Matt Ryan just threw that lollipop to Julio oh. Jones. Just a bad throw, bad play calling, oh, yeah. but like... When you have Julio Jones, sometimes he makes the play. And and like I said earlier, the Falcons just relied on Julio Jones, I think, way too much this year. But, you know, you the the Rams battled their way back into this game. And, right. and then, Tyler Higby had that, you know, dropped catch in the end zone. Um, and then they got stopped on downs after that. Um, and, you know, you just give the ball back – to the, to the Falcons and the Falcons are able to ice the game. Um, Jared Goff actually got one more chance to come back, and he was he was not the problem in the game for them for sure. He was not the problem in the game, but ultimately, I think the Falcons defense was able to get enough penetration to make him uncomfortable, to make him not be able to pull off those big throws to the end. Especially had that, to throw it away a lot. Yeah, he had to throw it away a lot, and also he just the ball the ball would sometimes come out of his hands, and you'd be like, "Well, what the fuck?" Um, and <laughs> uh. You know, if if that Tyler Higby throw goes, if Tyler Higby comes down with that catch, you're looking at a possibly um, more competitive game. And even the Rams off to um, Minnesota, 
um, the next week, but ultimately that didn't happen. So let's talk about the people who did end up winding up in yes. Minnesota for the divisional round. Let's talk about the Panthers and the Saints. Oh, great game. I think this was the great wild, the, the best wild card uh, uh, game, game. Of, of, of the weekend. Um, you know, because I thought, I looked at both of these teams and I really believed that um, whichever team won would make a run in the playoffs or could make a run in the playoffs. You know, Carolina hasn't been as good as they were a couple of years ago, but uh, still was an 11-5 and team. And New Orleans, quite honestly, after the injury to Carson Wentz, I think for a lot of people looked like they would be the team in the NFC that had the best chance to play the Patriots and win. And I think that, I mean, I still think that. Um, and they came out and they scored 31 points and they got it done. And it was really an exciting game until the end. But um, Car- Carolina had a lot of chances, though, oh, to, so many. to win the game, especially early. They had that dropped uh, pass in the end zone and um, it, when they were in the red zone on third on third down. And then the very next play, Pro Bowl or Graham Gano just miss, misses a gimme field goal. And then the Saints go, and then literally right after that, Drew Brees has that bomb to Ted Ginn um, that he took to the house. And the Saints were up 21-9 to at the end of the first half. Um and, you know, the third quarter, both teams score a field goal as well. But just the Panthers got into this game, but they just got into it way too late. Um, you know, they got that exactly. They got that score with, um, uh, well, first Cam, he, he gets that score to Greg Olson, and then they stop New Orleans and they get the ball back. And you yep. think, okay, here, here comes Cam, here comes Cam and, and the Saints. And <laughs> then... Cam gets just completely knocked the fuck out by <laughs> one of the Saints offensive linemen. I think it was Sheldon Rankins. And uh, he has to come out of the game. Derek Anderson, his backup, comes in, doesn't get it done. And then the Saints get another score. Um, but you really have to give it to Cam because he stepped up. He made a big. Th- he came in, made a big throw to Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey c- catches the ball in the middle of the field and then takes it 50 yards to the end zone. Um, and they stop the Saints. They get a pick, actually, with less than two minutes left. And you think, oh, okay, here comes Carolina. They have a chance. And, you know, um, they drive down into um, New Orleans as part of, uh, part of the field. But then um, on third and lo- on second and long, Cam gets that grounding call, forces a third and long, and then just on fourth – couldn't get it there. And then on fourth down, Von, Mill just, uh, Von Bell just splits the offensive lineman and just gets oh, that yeah. sack to ice the game. And you and that's when I really thought that New Orleans was going to make a Super Bowl run. And um, if you look at Carolina, I just don't think they were ready no. um, for this game. Um, the Saints complete the 2017 sweep of them. Um, yeah, and you know. I think Carolina has a lot to come back from. I actually think um, they need to do a lot of work on their defense, especially since Steve Wilkes won't be there anymore. Um, And really, you just want to see that secondary improve. And also Cam's quarterback play improve, because we've seen Cam do some amazing things, especially in the 2015 MVP season. And you just wonder if he can get back to that. And, And it was, you know, he had a good game this time around. So, you know, but they lost, and his past couple of seasons, especially 2016, he did not look like a like an MVP or even Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. And um, but again, man, this is one of the the kind of the unicorns in NFL history. We have not seen a quarterback like Cam Newton before. 
Um, so it would really be a shame if he doesn't get back to that level of production we saw in 2015, mm-hmm. where I think we both agree that he, no excuse for losing that Super Bowl. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's a, that. I think that's the most winnable Super Bowl if you are Carolina, and the fact that you just weren't able to get it done against an ailing Peyton Manning. And yes, that Broncos defense was the reason that they won that Super Bowl, but you know that should have been your year to do it. And it's kind of cursed. The team since. Yes, they haven't been able to kind of bounce back from that. You know, NFC teams just showing up. I, I just think NFC South teams showing up in the Super Bowl is never good for for anybody. No, for um for them. You know, so because <laughs> like, and 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 it's funny because the NFC South a few years ago was one of the weakest divisions. Yet yeah, now it's it's the divisions with I think the best quarterback play. Oh, absolutely. Um, and you know, it's it's become one of the t- I think the toughest division in the NFC. Um, clearly because the past two years we've gotten the Super Bowl um, representative out of them, uh, minus this year, for the Eagles. But um, speaking of the Eagles, let's ah. let's move on to oh, yes. their divisional game against the Falcons. It was This one was also kind of a, a, a snooze fest as well. But Yeah, um, I, I mean, the, the first touchdown of the game wasn't even scored until 10 minutes left in the second quarter. At that point, it was 3-0 Atlanta. Um, you know, and throughout the course of the game, each team only found the end zone once. The rest of the scores came on on field goals. It was a lot of of defense, very much a defensive struggle. Um, you know, Atlanta did not turn the ball over, but they were outgained, um, three thirty four to two eighty eight. Um, you know, it it really it wasn't it wasn't the game that you know it probably would have been with. Carson Wentz there, but at the same time, if Carson Wentz was there, it wouldn't be 15 to 10. It probably would have been 30 to, to 10. So, uh, you know, really just was not a, a particularly fun game. But, you know, I'll tell you one thing, which is that I watched that game and it was a slugfest, but it was worth it to see Lane Johnson run out of the stadium with a dog with mask. With a dog mask Unbelievable. On. That was one of the most fun things I've seen watching an NFL game. Um, so, so and, and I think it really does speak to, you know um, – Phillies kind of rise through the postseason the fact that you know they've put all their faith in Nick Foles and so far Nick Foles hasn't led them astray um considering the fact that uh he's beat you know um Matt Ryan and Case Keenum um all with you know coming in and having analysts all uh, um for weeks tell him that he's garbage um (laughs) you know for everybody to doubt him and then he comes up big both in this game, but especially in the conference championship game that we'll talk about later. But I think for the, this was really just the Falcons having a game that they should have easily won, and again, coming up short because of shitty play calling. Um, you really have to point the finger to Steve Sarkeesian at this one, um, and also credit Jim Schwartz for dialing up some packages to defend Julio Jones. Um, Schwartz, by the way, who I think... Um, I know he didn't have the most successful runs with run when he was the head coach of the Lions, but you know I'm really surprised that he wasn't someone who um, was gonna end up with a head coaching job this year. But I guess that comes up big for the Eagles. So, uh, but this is just the Falcons losing a game that they should have won. Exactly correct. Um, the Eagles were, I believe, the first number one seed to be the underdog in Vegas. Uh, at home, and they were the underdog in both of their games. 
Atlanta should have won this game. I understand that Philadelphia is a well-built, complete team, but uh, Atlanta still had a far more potent offense. and Their inability to get it done, you know, they only allowed one touchdown, so you expect the Atlanta offense to get it done, and they didn't. And, and for them to only score one touchdown and, and, and lose... It's a shame. It's, it's uh, far below what that personnel is capable of, and uh, I think you've got to start questioning the coaching if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan. I think I think you have to point the finger at Steve Sarkeesian. I think that needs to be a priority is to get somebody who can, you know, have better play calling. Um, also, I think you need to have Dan Quinn, um, who's just been so far from what I've seen from Dan Quinn is that he cannot manage big games. And I think that's something that, you know, he needs to improve on in Atlanta or Atlanta needs to let Dan Quinn go, even though he did lead them to a Super Bowl last year. Um, but enough about the Falcons. But, but, enough with me yeah, shitting on the yeah. Falcons. Uh, right. Before we get to the the important uh, and interesting uh, AFC game, let's just very quickly uh, Gloss over yeah. the Titans versus the Patriots. Kind of what we expected. It, it was exactly what we expected. Yeah. Mary, the, the Patriots have one of the worst defenses in the NFL, yet they made Marcus Mariota look weak. He, um, uh, in the postseason, um, you got to give it up for Matt Patricia for having the defense prepared this week. I think them having a bye week and, you know, as Belichick said, no days off, right. no days off indeed. And I think that really paid off for them in this game. Um, they were able to hold Derrick Henry and Tom Brady just started um, throwing touchdowns. And yes. I think and then James White and Deion Lewis got going once they had space. And it was really just a textbook Textbook win for the Patriots in the postseason, and of course it resulted in the Titans firing their coach Mike Malarkey, um, and now replacing him with with Texans defensive coordinator Mike Vrabel, and Vrabel has actually said that they want to shift to a spread off to a spread offense so that Mariota can be more comfortable. Which, if that's the case, I really can't. Uh, wait for Mariota to kind of helm this offense and actually look like the quarterback that he did when he was at Oregon. Yeah, you know, and uh, such a shame we'll never get to see Chip Kelly and Marcus Mariota <laughs> on the Eagles, like was rumored a couple years ago, and that all the Eagles fans thought would happen, and they must be very thankful it didn't. So um, let's get to the good yeah. AFC yes. games. The, yes. the Jaguars at the Steelers. Um, the big story for this game was that Jacksonville just took care of the clock, and when you take care of the clock the way Jacksonville did in this game, just ground and pound, um, you know, keep possession. They didn't really put the ball in Blake Bortles' hands that much. Um, <laughs> Leonard Fournette had 25 carries. Um, Blake Bortles also had half, so um, they shared the weight there. Uh, Blake Bortles had 26 throws. Um, he went 14 for 26 for 214 yards and had a TD. Yeah. And then, of course, you have... Roethlisberger five on the touchdowns. other end, five touchdowns, <laughs> 470 yards. Um, Antonio Brown, phenomenal. You know, AB just he he burned Bouye. Um, he's I think he's the only receiver to score um, against Bouye covering him this year, which yeah. you know rightly so. AB, AB in my opinion, um, he and Julio Jones are the best receivers in the NFL. What is so striking about this game? When is is Pittsburgh outgains Jacksonville five forty five to three seventy eight in total yards, um, and that's just sort of absurd. Um, the fact that Jacksonville was able to win, I think there were a lot of question marks after this game that you know 
how is Jacksonville a team that wins with defense if you allow 545 and 42 points? Well, I think ultimately it came down to them taking care of the ball because Pittsburgh had two turnovers. Bortles did not throw a turn, turn yeah, over. Bortles you know, didn't, turn didn't over at all. choke, well, in this game at least. And, um, you know, and... Then uh, after after this Four game, they felt amazing. compelled to promise a Super Bowl, um, or at least Jalen Ramsey did. So now he's promising Pro Bowls. <laughs> and, and look, what, what what great defenses do is that on a night where they're being bent and even broken, they find ways to make plays and score, and that's exactly what they were able to do today. And 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 if you look at that Telvin Smith um, fumble recovery for the touchdown, you you saw him just kind of point. Um, and taunt at Le'Veon Bell as he ran into the end zone, and I think that was really just kind of... Like, even though it, Jacksonville won by three, Jacksonville seemingly was in control of this game the entire time, and you really have to give it to Coach Doug Marone for the way he managed the game. Um, and Pittsburgh fired their offensive coordinator, Todd Haley. Um, oh, my God. Reportedly, uh, he and Big Ben don't get along, but... Big Ben promised a return, a 2018 return. There was there was rumors that he would retire at the end of the season, but um, obviously this disappointing loss to Jacksonville um, on a home bye just really, I guess, turned the tables for him. But um, yeah, Jacksonville moves on to play the Patriots in the AFC Championship. And uh, let's go to one of the best playoff games, arguably, of all time. Uh one of the Saints. greatest, one of the greatest playoff plays. So versus the Vikings, we were uh, watching this game together, and uh, we watched the first half, and Minnesota just dominated. dominated. Like so, we said, "Fuck it, right? We don't. I don't care about this. Let's watch. You know, we don't need to watch let's, the entire. Let's, like we we had something else to do at that point. I can't remember what it was, but we were like, "Oh, that's important. Not this, you know, right, amazing right. playoff game that so, we don't know is about to happen." So we we did that, and and then I, I went. I, I turned to Patrick, and I'm like. I'm like, uh, we should we should check on the score. You know, just see just see what ended up happening. How much did Minnesota win by? And Patrick goes, yeah, watch watch uh, New Orleans be up. And sure enough, sure enough, New Orleans was up with with four minutes left in the fourth. So um, we of course rewatched the highlights of the game, and you know, ultimately we we got a vintage Drew Brees performance that brought them back in the second half. Um, Alvin Kamara got going, and really they just kind of put the Vikings defense um, on the back burner. And, you know, you really thought at the end of the game that New Orleans was going to walk away the winner. Um, And it was just another textbook Vikings playoff loss. And (laughs) all of a sudden, with time expiring, Case Keenum just throws it to Stefan Diggs. And Diggs amazingly comes up with the catch, stays in bounds. And Marcus Williams, the phenomenal Saints uh, safety has a not so phenomenal play where he misses the tackle and Diggs is just oh. able to take it to the house and they won the game. Um, and really, right as time expired, it's the only walk off um, uh, touchdown in, play- in NFL playoff history. I think it's arguably one of the best finishes to a playoff game ever. Well, is um, it, I mean, and you really had the sense at the end of the game that the Vikings had the momentum to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, it reminded me a lot of that uh, <laughs> that Tim Tebow touchdown against Pittsburgh uh, <laughs> many years ago. Uh, no, look, I mean, I remember even before, right before that play, I remember <laughs> being like, wow, so interesting, New Orleans won. 
And Patrick's like, it's not over yet. And uh, we didn't expect that play, though. I mean, th- th- there was no time to say I told you so. Like, we were, like, flipping out. It was it was one of the most fun, like, this is why you watch NFL football plays. It, it really just, like, and, and, and it really gave – that's what makes, like, this – this next game that we're moving on to, um, the Saints versus the Vikings, just so, I mean, um, the Eagle, the Vikings versus the Eagles in the yeah. NFC Championship game, well, so heartbreaking, because he really had the sense that after that finish, that um, Case Keenum and the Minnesota yeah. Vikings would just ride that momentum into the Super Bowl, and they ended up getting embarrassed by yes. Nick Foles. Uh, Nick Foles. Arizona legend. Again, I repeat, Nick Foles. He throws for 352 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. 141 quarterback rating, 95.8 QBR. It's <laughs> insane, the, the kind of game. And you really have to just give it to Doug Peterson because he really just called plays that let Nick Foles just be aggressive and um, – you know, I think the, the the play that I think is obvious is that flea flicker play. Oh my god! Where he just finds Tory Smith and they ice the game, and and if the whole city of like we we live in New York, so and we could literally like feel just the energy coming from Philadelphia. Oh yeah, miles away from us. Um, and you know that city that city's going crazy, and rightly so. They've had an amazing season. Um, they've had to battle back through um, their quarterback. Um, an MVP candidate, Carson Wentz, going down with an injury. And Nick Foles, has, you really just have to give it to him because I think going into the Super Bowl, giving his past performance uh, in the NFC Championship game, that um, he couldn't be serious. I'm not willing to say that he's going to you know, have a 350-yard game and three touchdowns against um, the Patriots, but... With a good game plan, he could give you guys trouble. With Doug Peterson calling plays that fit Nick Foles, it could give the Patriots trouble. So if you look at the Vikings, you just really feel for that team. Um, 38 straight points. Yeah, they scored in the first quarter, uh, scored first, and from then on... Against that defense. Against that defense. I mean, most of us watching were like, okay, uh, you know, they're, they're carrying the momentum, but... Sadly, that momentum from that last game stopped <laughs> after that first drive. And, I mean, they just and Philly got a pick six after that there. pick six. Yeah, um, they, Philly just fell asleep. Case Keenum had two interceptions. He looked very um, Case Keenum. He he didn't look like Case Keenum of this year. He looked like Case Keenum Rams. of previous re, of previous years. And you know, you just really feel for that Vikings team because yes. you really thought that that was going to be their year. Um, and now they have a lot of decisions to make in the coming postseason or in the coming off season. Um, they have all their, like we said earlier, they have all their quarterbacks up for free agency and they got some decisions to make. They do. But again, you know, they are in a better position than, uh, <laughs> they're in a position that most teams, uh, wish they were in where you have three quarterbacks and you can trade two of them for assets and really build that team. Um, but let's talk about another game that we watched together. The <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars uh, and the New England Patriots. Jacksonville was ahead for most of the game, controlled most of the game. And you know, they, they were definitely the team um, 
through the first half that was controlling the game. They kind of had the same game plan as they did against Pittsburgh, just yeah. kind of jam it with Fournette, run the clock, um, be the team that forces New England to win the game. Um, and New England won the game. They they made New England play. And you, and you know what I got to say? As a, as a Patriots fan, I was kind of sitting through the game. And I never was really scared. <laughs> I, oh, I yeah. know I should I've have seen, been. I, we've seen this movie. But oh. it's like, yeah, I was like, they're they're going to find a way to come back yeah. and I, pull it off. And sure enough, they do. Um, down 10 to 14 at the half, they come back in the third quarter. They only, they, they, Jacksonville doesn't score any touchdowns in the second half. They only get two field goals. And Brady in the fourth quarter, uh, two throws two late touchdown passes to Danny Amendola and they just took the lead. And, you know, that's when Jacksonville had to put the ball in Blake's hands and we were going to see if Blake was a real quarterback and he just wasn't, he just couldn't answer it, um, in the moment. Um, but you know, he, on that fourth down play, I really did think he was going to complete that pass until Stefan Gilmore just came and, Oh, Batted that ball down. One of the and great I started crying. As Bill point. Simmons pointed out, with his very specific uh, criteria, it's one of the great, the greatest Patriot defensive back playoff plays uh, ever. Maybe the the greatest play you've seen from a Patriot secondary player. As uh, one of them. Hey. No, you you can't discount the Malcolm Butler play. Well, no, of course, but not but, not not better than that. But um, but yeah, so New England. Takes the game. They stop Jacksonville on fourth down, and they're back in the Super Bowl for um, the third time out of four years. And, you know, this was their seventh straight conference championship appearance. They really are the greatest team to, I would say, the the greatest franchise, certainly, in NFL history because no other team has done that. Um, the fact that they have five Super Bowl rings. They're having they're just, the greatest run. They're just shy of Pittsburgh six, but they've gotten five Super Bowl rings in the past 17 years. You know, B- Bill Belichick today, um, today's Saturday, uh, was hired 18 years ago today, and I, which I saw on the internet. And you really just have to think how far that organization has come under Coach Bill Belichick. But another organization that's come really far that you have to kind of question their future over the offseason is Jacksonville. I mean, what are they going to do with Blake Bortles? Are they going to try to sign Kirk Cousins and then have Cousins complete, compete with Bortles for the starting job? Are they going to um, ex- are they going to pay him a lot of money or are they going to give him a small contract with a little bit of money? You, you know, you just wonder what Tom Coughlin is is going to is cooking up for that whole Blake Bortles situation because I think that's the only question mark on the Jags roster right now is the fact that Blake Bortles just has never been a quarterback since he's drafted it since he's been drafted that can get it done. No, and and you know he he spent the playoffs not being a turnover prone quarterback and he has legs on him but I wouldn't be surprised if he's franchised or signed to a short-term deal. If he's franchise tagged, that's going to be 23 million dollars. For yeah, but but a short term commitment because I, 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 I would be I would be very worth, weary. Yeah, I know, but, it, but do you think he's worth twenty three million dollars? No, though? of course I, I certainly don't. No, no, I don't. But but for a there, one there, year there's deal. rumors that case that the Vikings are trying to give Case Keenum the franchise tag, which I think is dumb too. I wouldn't want Case yeah. Keenum. I wouldn't want to be paying Case Keenum twenty three million dollars. 
Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I agree with you. I, but I think, but with with Corp Bortles and Keenum, you you need a larger body of work, and especially for Jacksonville, we can talk about how great of a comeback they've had, and it, it has been phenomenal. But but ten and six, are you going to keep a quarterback because your team went ten and six? If that quarterback has shown time and time again that he's not that good, if Jacksonville gives him a long term extension, I think it would be a mistake. At least not until after they've really explored for the next couple of years their options at quarterback. Um, I think that you look at the quarterbacks on the market and a lot of them, maybe all of them, are upgrades. Minnesota's quarterbacks, I think, are upgrades. Uh, you know, And a lot of other quarterbacks, uh, Tyrod Taylor even, I think, is an upgrade. Kirk Cousins is an upgrade. Well, I don't think, I don't think they'd build through the draft unless they got you no, know, a late draft. Because I think all the good quarterbacks are going to be taken you know, within the first 15 picks. they got to get a veteran. They think they should get a veteran. I, I definitely think they should get a veteran because this is a young team that needs a veteran leader. Yeah. And I think Kirk Cousins could be an answer because we don't know where Kirk Cousins is going. He could go play in Arizona. He could go play in Buffalo. We, we really don't know where he's going to end up. We One thing that I'm probably certain of is the, the fact that he won't be in Washington next year. No. Um, no. And maybe they'll draft someone. Maybe. 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 Um, I, I, I could see uh, I could see them taking that route. We'll see. You know, if Baker Mayfield's there, I think, I think they will. Washington's drafting like 14th or 15th? Thir- 13th. 13th? Yeah, if Baker Mayfield's there at 13, I would take him. I, I think that's that's, um, that's what I've begun to see as the uh, the path for Mayfield. Um, all right, so now that we've kind of covered everything, um, playoff-wise, mm-hmm. shall we preview the Super Bowl? Yes. So, um, where do we start? Um, let's just talk with how these teams got here. To summarize the season for the Pats... So they started out with that um, week one Thursday night game against Kansas City, and they just get, I don't want to say dominated, but they get, but Kansas City takes care of business in Gillette. Um, Kareem Hunt has that insane game. Um, I think the storyline for the Patriots for the beginning of the season was the fact that their secondary was just allowing pass yard, so many pass yards. I think they were at like 400 yards. They were allowing like 400 yards a game, like within the first few seasons, like Cam Newton came and tore them apart in Gillette um, early in the season. And you just kind of look uh, at how they bounce back at 13 and three. So, um, you know, they go, they lose to Carolina I think they're two and two at that point, and I, I my dad who who likes to give me shit for being a Patriots fan, um, sent me a text being like, "You guys suck, you know the the Bills are better than you right oh. now in your division," and and I said, "Just wait, take didn't age well, just wait, take did um, not age well," and of course we just waited, and after that uh, Panthers lost, the the Patriots responded in sure. In, in dramatic fashion, they they went on a they finished the season with only one more loss after that. To uh, <laughs> they they finished with only. I was sorry. Doing, I was he, doing, he was he was doing a symbol, just jerking myself off like jerk as a off fan, uh, which is kind of what I'm doing right now, and I am kind of enjoying it. But <laughs> um, you know, they they only lose one game after that Carolina loss to uh, Miami when they just shit the bed on Monday night to Jay Cutler. But they made they made it here. I think they had the easiest path to the Super Bowl because they yeah. just walked all over Tennessee and like 
And like I said while we were talking about the Jacksonville game, they just really, like, I never feared that we were going to lose that game at any point. And he just kind of knew that they were going to come back and make a play. And um, I'm excited to see, because uh, this is the last time we kind of see this amazing um, New England staff under Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia. And um, there's rumors that their special teams coach is leaving as well. So there's going to be a lot of changes in this New England um, coaching staff next year. And you just wonder how is that going to affect um, the Patriots going forward. So I'm excited to see what they can do with this last ride. Um, so tell us how the Eagles got here, Joey. Well, what's interesting is they too uh, suffered a loss at these at the time, seemingly very, very good uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And after that, they kind of went on a tear, and we were deep into the season, and the only game they'd lost was against Kansas City. And, uh, you know, they, they, they dropped a couple games later on, but really throughout the season, it was clear that the best team in the NFC was Philadelphia. Arguably the NFL as well. I would say the NFL. Uh, and I think that if, uh, if Carson Wentz is playing, that they're the favorite. But that's a different discussion that we'll get to later. But, um, you know, Carson Wentz goes down after having this incredible MVP season. And I don't think a lot of people had faith in them going forward. Uh, we knew they would have to sort of put Nick Foles into a game manager role. And how well would he he do there? He, he certainly has at very specific moments in his career throwing seven touchdowns. He has exploded at certain moments. I mean, he has the NFL record for... For touchdowns, he, yes, he, he and Peyton Manning, yes, tied, and someone <laughs> one, else from years ago. One but, of one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> one of these things is, is not like the other. Yeah, no. The one the difference is that uh, one of them is about to. Well, can I just also say, Tom Brady was one of the champ. Was one of the quarterbacks in in the Final Four, and the other three were Nick Foles, mm-hmm. yeah, Case Keenum. And Bortles. And Blake Bortles. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's, it's really a Final been... Four that, like, and that's what I love about the NFL because you really don't get this with, with other sports because the NBA, it's Cleveland and and the Warriors in the finals every year. But with, with the NFL, you actually get some change. Because you know, Even though the Patriots are still going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> probably, <laughs> there's some, probably. There's some parity there's to parody, it yeah. as well. And that's because of single game elimination and also the small amount of teams that make the playoffs and football being uh, a very unpredictable sport. And, and the worst part of it all, though, uh, that I wish wasn't true is, is injuries. And, you know, because uh, Green Bay was out of the equation because of Aaron Rodgers' injury. Yes. Um, Arizona basically didn't have a chance this season because yeah. David Johnson was injured right off the bat. Wrestling um, team, too. You know, you just look at these... Odell Beckham. Um, Odell Beckham. Well, the Giants, I don't think we're good to no, no. with. No, but, but... Like, even with Odell. But you just look at, like, these... You, it's heartbreaking to see that the NFL... Like, even the though it's, it is better. football, you know, injuries are a part of football. But it's just getting to a point where I feel like it's getting ridiculous. Um, it's you know, hard as a fan. It really is. You know, it's hard Andrew, to watch. Andrew Luck... I, I think could possibly be done. You know, we don't know. We haven't heard much about his injury. He didn't play at all this year. Um, and it looks like Jacoby Brissett is the man going forward with Indy, which, you know, I think he's okay. He's okay. You know, he has some room to grow. He, he was obviously another um, uh, rookie that, that uh, Belichick drafted last year. Um, but I think going forward as a fan – 
you know, you really just hate seeing these injuries to these amazing players. And it kind of sometimes takes the fun out of the game. It, it made me at moments feel apathetic. I mean, especially being a Cardinals fan, the starting uh, offensive line, I think they played one game together and missing the quarterback, missing our best, the player offense is built around and seeing how many other teams had the same issue. And yeah, Minnesota was able to overcome it and Philadelphia has been able to overcome it. But so many teams, the Packers are the one that I think about the most that just, you you, you wonder how different the playoffs would look if they were there. Perhaps they would be playing uh, in the Super Bowl or maybe the NFC Championship game isn't a 38-7 to game and uh, maybe they have the number two seed. We don't know. And uh, anytime you miss Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, that's tough. And seeing all these other guys out, it, it was definitely a, a uh, very disappointing and, and I think worse than it's been in recent years. So uh, hopefully next year we won't be able to say the same thing. So now that we've kind of talked about how these two teams got here, let's, let's talk about the coaching of oh, Doug yeah. Peterson and Bill Belichick. Because um, personally... And, and this is me being unbiased. I think you can give Belichick Coach of the Year every year, but it's just kind of like how the NBA you LeBron can give MVP. LeBron MVP exactly. every yep. year. Um, but you know, you just give it to other players, or even Pop though it's kind whatever. of known yeah. um, that LeBron is the best player in the league. It's known that Bill Belichick is the he, is the he doesn't best exceed in the expectations, so it's kind of unfair to him that his ex- that the expectation is so high that he literally can't exceed them. And you know, y- you know he's. I think he's the best coach in football history. You can argue Don Shula or um, somebody else, or Lombardi. Lombardi, but, but nah, different era. Um, but know. it's it's a different era, different part of the game. I think Belichick has has done has has transformed the game so much over the past eighteen years that we can't even comprehend how much of an effect he's had. Because he was he was also there when Lawrence Taylor was he was Bill Parcells' um, yes uh, assistant on the Giants during their Super Bowl run back in the eighties. And you, you know Belichick has been has had one of the most storied careers in the NFL. He's been in the NFL for almost forty years now, um, and he really is at the end of the day just the best coach that you can ask for, you know, and he, even though all of his assistants always end up going um, and getting jobs somewhere else, they never really do as well as, as they do when they're under Belichick. And I think that speaks volumes. And you look at the players that are coached under Belichick and the fact that LeGarrette Blunt, like at one point could only produce on the Patriots. And now um, he's facing his former team in the Super Bowl since he's on the Eagles. But you just look at these players that are on the Patriots and you think, how how are these players so good? Like, Tom Brady should not have been a superstar quarterback where he was drafted. No. Um, you know, he shouldn't have been somebody who won five Super Bowls, but he did because he was coached by Bill Belichick. And I think that gives, even though I, I Doug Peterson is my coach of the year and I think he's an amazing coach, I think Belichick has the edge because he's been that coach that's been there so much and he just has an ability to turn um, players who shouldn't be amazing into amazing players. The And he does it through building a versatile week-by-week offense and defense uh, in which he finds players' strengths on his own team and really plays to that. And more importantly, much like Popovich does in the NBA, he finds what are the weaknesses not just of the team as a whole, 
but of each individual player, and then how do we exploit that by expanding upon the strengths of our players. And he will take pure role players, find what their strength is, and win games with it. There have been guys who have come out and run for shit tons of yards, and then we don't hear from them again the rest of the season because it just happened to work for that game plan. And that's brilliant, and it is incredible that he's been able to get the personnel to be able to do that. It speaks a lot to the depth of the Patriots and to the system uh, that they... Look, you know, they were 11-5 and with Matt Castle. They missed the playoffs, which is a little ridiculous, but they were 11-5 and with Matt Castle, and they have played well with virtually every other quarterback that's gone out under center, whether it was Brissett or Garoppolo. Uh, so I, I, I... I would feel even comfortable if Brian Hoyer was out there, if if, if he, I knew Belichick had some time with him since he's had... He's a stable quarterback. Like, yeah. I, you know... No worse than Foles. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> but it, that's that's another point for Peterson is 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 you look at what if, what he's done with Nick Foles. He he was dealt this hand late into the season on a road trip to Los Angeles. You know, you come back and he he comes out after that game to the press room and he says with a smile on his face, "We're ready for Nick Foles to be our man going forward." And I thought that was funny as fuck because, you know, <laughs> that sounds like – how do you say that that with a smile on your face that Nick Foles is your man going forward into the playoffs? You know, that's that's a scary thought. That was a scary thought at times for Eagles fans. But now you have Foles after the NFC Championship game. The Eagles fans are fucking doing the Skull Vikings chant. And instead of saying Skull, they say Foles. Big dick, Nick. Indeed. <laughs> So, yeah, Peterson, look, incredible coaching on both sides. You've got Peterson, who's a newer coach, an incredible new coach. And then you've got Belichick, who's a legend in his own right. And, uh, you know, it'll be so interesting to see the coaching battle. Peterson, I think, has much, much more of a weight on his shoulder because of the fact that, you know, he has Nick Foles as his quarterback. And also, this is his first time, this is his first big game as a coach, and I think you kind of saw, you you saw that from Dan Quinn last year, because Dan Quinn was in the same position, you know, he was a second-year coach going in and facing Bill Belichick and and, um, Tom Brady, and, you know, with the way he he ultimately managed the game at the end, and, and that was also Kyle Shanahan's fault as well, but the way he and Kyle Shanahan managed the game at the end of the day just didn't work out for the Falcons, just fell short. You know, it's so easy to get outcoached by Bill Belichick. Doug Peterson is just going to have to stay as aggressive as possible because the trend is once you start calling uh, going conservative against the Patriots, they're going to get the better of you. And... <laughs> The problem here with Doug Peterson and, and the thing that he's going to have to face is that even if he outcoaches Bill Belichick, even by a considerable and noticeable margin, he still could lose because the personnel of the New England offense is so strong. And, you know, really the big storyline of this game is you've got New England that's got a pretty bad defense but a phenomenal offense, and then you've got Philadelphia who has a fantastic defense and the offense is led Howard. by... You know, it's led by a backup, and it's going to be a lot of running. It's going to be their their offense has fundamentally Let, let, changed. Let's they take don't a minute have... to. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Let's take a minute to talk about the matchup between Nick Foles and Tom Brady. Uh, it's close. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's close. It's uh, <laughs> um, Tom Brady. Like like I said earlier, I think he's the MVP of 2017. Um, the man's 40 years old. Yeah. The fact that he's playing at this level at this age, not even Peyton Manning could do it. Um, the fact that he's just stayed healthy enough throughout his NFL career 
to really prolong your career in this way. And, you know, I believe him when he says he can play until, you know, he's like 50 because he looks unstoppable at 41. You know, he's not looking to slow down. He's, he is just wanting to beat you every step of the way. And Nick Foles is really just going to have to match that competitive intensity if he wants to have a chance at the, at this, at winning this game. His, uh, you know, his body eventually will catch up with him. But I just want to talk a little bit about the season he's had, if I can. Um, and, and what's so incredible about it. Uh, so, 32 touchdowns, which is third in the league. He had only eight interceptions. He was first in yards per game. He was first in total yards. He had a QBR of 70.2. The team went 13-3. and three. And there's a couple things about those numbers that are really phenomenal to me. The first thing is, this may have been the sixth or seventh best Brady season. When you look exactly. at the numbers. <laughs> Do you, you remember know, that how good he was that 07 season? I think he threw 50 touchdowns he that did. year. He, he, was, he broke the touchdown record, which Manning has broken since. But he he set the the bar for that, and you know his QBR this year was the tenth best of his career. His his his, uh, his yards per attempt was fifth, yards per game was sixth, touchdowns were seventh, total yards fifth. I mean, he had such a phenomenal, with the exception of Carson Wentz, he had the best quarterback season in the league this year. Bar none. And he and did it at 40 years he old. He did, and that's my second thing. He did it at 40 years old. I don't really need to explain why that's significant. And um, this is eight, his eighth eight. Super Bowl appearance. Yep. And, you know, um, Brady, it, this is looking, if, if you're looking at the outside in, you know, Brady clearly has the edge if you're looking at quarterback play going into the Super Bowl. But um, don't count out this Philadelphia defense. Um, because this is a secondary led by Patrick Robinson, who had that yeah. insane pick six. Um, this is a really well-constructed Eagles team, and you really have to give it um, up to Philly's front office for kind of playing money ball with this roster and really just getting um, some insane guys for discounted rates that have just played huge roles for them. And I think this offseason is also going to be a big test for Philly because if they don't win this game, they're going to do – They, I'm sure they're willing to just burn everything they did last year and just start again and start again next year. I would hope not. I think that – yeah, I mean with Carson Wentz coming back, I, I think that yeah, they – and especially looking at the NFC East, I, I don't see a team that I think is going to compete with them. I think Dallas will be better next year. We'll see how Shermer works out with the Giants. I don't think Washington is going to be very good. I, you especially know. if Josh Rosen is their quarterback – Right, right. You know, how's that going to be as a rook if a rookie or if Eli um is going to finish out? Right. So we'll, we'll there's see, just I... more. The Philly is the only team in the NFC East that I feel like doesn't have any questions to be like that doesn't need any like holes being filled. Yeah, and over the oh, off season again, as I said earlier, such a complete team, and that's what's giving them the chance here. That's the reason why they made it to the Super Bowl. If they were a team you know, uh, that was fantastic on offense and, and not so good on defense, and they lost Wentz, that's it. They're done. They probably would have lost the first seed. They would have, you know, lost the few the remaining games of the regular season. They would have been one and done, and that would have been it. But I do want to say, though, that not only is the NFL a league with parity and unpredictability, I think that's especially true of the NFC East. The mm-hmm. NFC East is maybe the most fun and interesting division in football. There's, there's a new winner Every single year. Yeah. And There's always somebody who's competing. and um, It's the major Northeast teams, too. So if you're in the Northeast, it's such an exciting 
uh, environment to yeah. be in. I, I mean, there are know, years when sun, Sundays walking around the city, you just see people and with all kinds of with all kinds of like, especially NFTs, a yeah. lot of Philly and New York fans, and <laughs> you know, when seeing them fight in bars is also funny. Um, but you just there's something different about the NFC East compared to any other conference. And I know I said earlier that the NFC South is the most competitive conference this year, which it was because Philly kind of just ran the table on everybody this year. But the NFC East is always an exciting division to watch and always produces, I think, the best games of the year. Yeah, the best some of the best primetime and Thanksgiving games. And what's so cool about the division is that there are some years where um, uh, the best team is 9-7 and seven or 8-8. Eight and eight. Mm-hmm. And then there's also some Because all they do is just beat each other up in their right, division right. games. And then there are, there, are, there are years where... There are three playoff teams, and but but in every case, it's always interesting and always competitive. This year, maybe a little bit less so, but I think next year we're going to get back to that. I think this was the first year in a very long time we've just seen the NFC East not be as competitive, but any you can't ever count that, that mm-hmm. division out in any year. So I, even though I think that Philadelphia will be back here next year no matter what, I do think uh, you can't count anyone else out. And with that, I think we should probably talk about our predictions for the game. And just so, uh, who do you who, who do you see winning this game, Joey? Uh, New England. I, look, I understand that. <laughs> I understand that predicting a blowout in any Super Bowl is controversial, but uh, I see them walking away with a twenty four fourteen win. Um, you know, you look at the the, the game in in oh four, um, the last time the Eagles were in the Super Bowl against and against the New England Patriots against Tom Brady. And it was not an exciting game. Um, I don't think this is going to be a very exciting game either. I mean, it will be for for um, me since I'm a Patriots fan, and it will be for Eagles fans since um, they're there. Since they're there, I mean, the city the yeah. city went insane um, last Sunday when they, they they had people climbing on greased poles. But I think ultimately, New England has been here enough to get the job done. Um, you know, that's another Belichick saying, do your job. I think if everybody on the Patriots does their job, um, they will be the ones lifting the Lombardi trophy at the end of the game. Yeah, and a lot of NFL fans don't want to see that happen. I think, you know, it would certainly be very interesting and one of the really more interesting NFL stories if, if Philadelphia Philly wins. Won. But, but I, I, how can I sit here and predict that's going to happen? There's just, I can't. Uh, I hope, nonetheless, no matter who wins, I really do hope as someone who's neutral in all this that it's a great game um, uh, and that we see competitive play from both sides, including uh, Big Dick Nick. Now, with um, that in mind, I think we're going to wrap up our inaugural episode. You can expect to see us soon. Um, we'll be we talking are, All-Star break. We'll be, we'll be talking over the All-Star break. Um, we also might post a little Super Bowl reaction um, uh pod in the next month that'll just be a quick little pod uh episode with us talking about the super bowl but um we don't know if we're gonna do that yet but um we'll be back for the all-star break in a few weeks so uh please like and subscribe and uh share with your friends who also like sports because they too can be kings in the fourth um through listening through this podcast and uh we just like to say thank you for listening, um, and you can be expecting a lot more content coming from us in the near future. So with that in mind, I'd just like to say I'm Patrick Gallagher. I'm Joey Yanatelli. And thank you for joining us for Kings of the Fourth. <laughs>